Hey everybody, Mac here. Just a couple quick notes before we get started today. So um, we have a great episode, great guest episode, but because there were three of us and we only had two mics, Jonah and I had to uh, kind of bob and weave and negotiate how we were going to do that. Um, so you're going to hear a little bit of echo um, and just some audio quality here and there as we're figuring that out, but it does clean up um, a little bit into the podcast. There's also a dog that you'll hear. Um, I just moved into a new apartment and we've been getting that all sorted out as well. So um, apologies for any of the distractions, but it's a good episode and I think you guys are really going to like it. So with that, I'm going to pop off and let you guys hear it. Good evening. Future's Hour Radio Hour. September 27th, 2022. Um, um, I'm not going to continue trying to do that. <laughs> it's also September 28th. All right. Well, <laughs> they don't know that because, you know, this probably won't come out till mid-October. Um, so um, this is not a fireside chat. This is, however, the Future's Hour. It's the podcast that you listen to called the Future's Hour. And uh, we're back, folks. We are fucking back. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's not just any old episode, but we'll soon get to that. Mac, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. It's good to be back. Getting back on the train. Um, yeah, that whispering voice you heard in the background there for a second is a very special guest that we mentioned last time on the pod. So it's a you know it's a good day for us. Should we just go ahead and introduce our guest and um, wrap up? I don't think we should introduce him just yet. <laughs> I was thinking we would do like maybe one, one, two hours, and then maybe rain. No, we should introduce um, our our guest, our esteemed guest, um, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I, I I think uh, I think Mac, you should do the honors though, because you you guys are uh, uh, share com compatriots, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Kevin, uh, Kevin Hurler. Uh, he, he works with me over at Gizmodo um, and has been just crushing it uh, like one of, you know, the most uh, just like a huge uh, utilitarian writer on our staff um, and has been super killing it. But we wanted to get you on the podcast for a while just because you have such a, like varied interest and like can actually make us sound a bit more sophisticated than we are. So thanks so much for doing this, man. Like, yeah, let me just tell us what what your thing is. Um. Thanks. Uh, two things. Uh, if you were looking for me to s- make you sound sophisticated, <laughs> I'm the wrong person. Also, you calling me utilitarian is the greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. That's genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm blushing. Uh, what was the question? Oh, the what do I do? The sophisticated thing goes both ways because either you're sophisticated and then it makes the show look better or you're not and then it, you make Mac and I look better by comparison. Exactly. So there's really, it's all upsides <laughs> for us. The, the transitive property, if you will. Precisely. Something like that. Precisely. Um, yeah, no, I work at, I'm a, I'm a breaking news reporter at Gizmodo. Um, I, I describe myself as a scientist turned journalist. Um, I studied like physics and, and geology in in undergrad and grad school and then i got into journalism uh i am uh, a virgo um <laughs> with uh, an extrovert rising and uh yeah no i mean uh, i'm from new jersey 
what else do I have to say about myself? I'm six foot two, ladies. And uh, no, I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I have a, a really weird kind of like cross section. So I guess at, at Gizmodo, I cover like primarily like this weird spectrum where the two endpoints are like internet meme culture. And then like the other end is like really like robust scientific concepts. And I just oscillate between the two. The that hard are... and the soft science. Exactly. And it's two sides it's sort of that like are a fighting. Semi soft science. Yes. Right. A half, a, a, a half mast science. Yeah. yeah. Um, and these two sides are constantly fighting for dominance. Yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> All right, cool. Coming over here. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Um, you write both about, like you said, kind of the harder sciences, but also. Sorry, we're dealing with our producer over here. Um, how did you sort of, I mean, just before we get into our normal thing that we'll do, um, how did you get into writing about science in particular? Because I, you know, get into that. For sure. I mean, I, I was kind of like for the first 24, 23 years of my life, just kind of like going through the motions of like what I thought you were supposed to do as like a science student and like as someone who's interested in science. So like, I went to undergrad and then when I got to undergrad, I was like, oh, you're supposed to go to grad school and get your PhD and be a professor. And then I got to grad school and I got really uh, <laughs> depressed <laughs> and really like frustrated with the like idea of academia. I just wasn't into it. And I was like, OK, well, what do I like to do? I still really like science, obviously. And then I found out I really liked writing and I really liked just kind of like seeing the um i like seeing like the light bulb go off in people and so i was like okay i like to teach i like to, i like science and i like writing like what is that as a career and i just kind of stumbled on stumbled upon journalism um and then it was just a matter of like okay how do i get into a newsroom and so it was just a lot of like i interned like completely remote like once a week for like this like online new jersey focused like magazine like doing environmental pieces and then I worked in publishing for like a year and while I was there I was able to like do some like science journalism for like their website and stuff like that and then uh I got the gig at Gizmodo and I was just like all right let's do it. This and I'm curious because this is the future of Zalus like how do you stop from just wanting to get a gun and shoot yourself in the head every time you do this because I think that's basically <laughs> that has nothing to do with journalism that's just or that has nothing to do with the climate rather just journalism in general. Yeah. Wow, what a, it's, you know, it's multifaceted uh, is the word that I was instructed to use. No, I mean, I think, um, I think like it's hard with like, you look at the world and it's easy to kind of like slip into um, just like the doom of it all. And I really like now that I'm older, really try and just view the world as like really gray and really like amorphous. And I think like. when it comes to like science to some extent even tech more you know more more uh obviously i think for all of the kind of like bad and scary shit that's going on there is a lot of like good happening like there is a lot of like really amazing environmental engineering that's going on and like there have been really like awesome strides that humanity has taken to like fix the issues in the environment and stuff like that and so i think it's just sort of like i just try to keep reminding myself that like um, you know, for all the 
bullshit that's going on. Like there is good stuff that's coming out. It's just like the bad stuff gets clicks. And also like, um, you know, I get paid to do a job. And so I try to just like leave my feelings at the keyboard at the end of the day. Melissa <laughs> amongst the pod, like how complicit do you feel in just making people feel like shit all the time? <laughs> or do you at all? <laughs> um, I feel like I honestly haven't thought about it that hard. I feel like, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like my job is to be a messenger of sorts. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I'll editorialize a little bit here and there, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm just sort of a conduit for people at some level. Like, so I don't think that I'm necessarily the one that's making people feel like shit. I feel like it's, it's the bodies that are, I'm reporting on that are making people feel like shit. Yeah, it's like but. the doctor who comes into the room and flips the chart around and says, uh, <laughs> yeah, you you have super, super cancer. Right. Um, you didn't give that person cancer. You're, right. just, you're just telling them how it is, you know. That is so... And that's well, just what's and, so and play it up a little bit so too. Fun, you know, yeah. if you're gonna tell someone they have cancer, jazz it up right. a little bit. Yeah, you do like a ba- like a backing band and choreography. Yeah, yeah. you make them uh, do a captcha before yeah. they can access their diagnosis. Right. Well, it's um, good. It's good. I think because like science, I definitely like. I like to write it about environment stuff, but I find myself sometimes ill-equipped to write about the nuance of environment. So I really like to cover science research specifically, and I think with science research, like it's a lot less. There's a lot less of an agenda with science research because it's very much like, here's the experiment, here's the results, here's what they mean, which is great. So I do get a bit of a reprieve from like the kind of like doom and gloom of it all. And I find that like I like to go for more like the whimsical kind of science of like, like I reported last week or, or two weeks ago on like this like new research that like came out that like tried to figure out like Saturn got its rings. Like that's not really gonna make anyone feel like shit. You know, that's just like kind of a like a cool story to tell. Really fucked up. Got their rings. <laughs> like we, like they stole like it. From they the, stole <laughs> them from another planet. We massacred like an alien race. Yeah, there was actually like yeah, there was an entire alien race of peace-loving aliens <laughs> who were vaporized, and it's actually their little chunks right. that formed the rings. Yeah. Well, on background. Uh, but listen, that's the point. Your your point. You're you're you got to call balls and strikes, man. It's not up to you to to sugarcoat it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Universe is a cold, dark place. Yep. Well. Um, it's it's honorable, but in that line though, um, maybe you saved up all your cynicism for some kind of darker stories we're going to talk about today. Because uh, we've, you know, the future is out. We're we're gonna give you the hard facts and some more with that too. And there's been some rough stuff going on recently. Yeah, tough um, love. Should we just you want to just go into some of the stuff that we're yeah. talking about? You, you cool to you're going to talk to us later in the pod about um, some stuff you've been like working on. Um, but before we do that, maybe we can just go over, you know, some yeah. of the things that have been going on in the news. Let's do and it. Just riff, yeah. So yeah, well, let's let's go around the horn. Let's yeah. do it. Um, well, okay. Top of the top of the top of the block today is uh, Jonah's little... doing this on the iPad, by the way, which um, is very professional, very uh, no, with the I... Apple pencil. Yeah. No, 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 no. You guys don't have to say that. There's no one, no reason, no reason to. Uh, that i won't confirm that that's true um this is a tablet um anyway and this is uh yeah a stylus okay um here's the facts guys um i don't know so there is something that we talked about um a few months ago which is probably the way that most you guys 
uh, found out about this, but there's a war in Ukraine. <laughs> Wait, um, what? Hold first. on. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't been listening to our podcast, this may come as a surprise to you, but there is a war happening in uh, the Eastern European nation of Ukraine. Um, uh, Russia is the, uh, the aggressor and uh, a- antagonist in this conflict. Um, just to give you some light background. But as of recently, <laughs> um, as of like a few days ago, there were a a, 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 um, a a number of small explosions that were actually recorded on like a Swedish seismology uh, research or sort of like a um, you know listening center on the on the on the floor of the Baltic Sea um, that correspond to what is in all likelihood and basically universally agreed upon to be uh, like man-made ex- explosions detonations. To sabotage these two pipelines, which, if you've been li- like plugged into the conflict at all, you might be familiar with Nord Stream One and Two. Um, just to zoom out slightly, like a lot, uh, one of the major sort of um, cruxes of this conflict for or its implication for the wider world, certainly for Europe, is the provision of natural gas. Um, Europe, in particular, is facing a um, a, a, a mighty cold winter in 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 want of this natural gas that um, they've come to depend on from Russia, obviously due to the war and for um, due to sanctions, due to Russia's own sort of geopolitical maneuvering. This amount of natural gas that Europe can depend on and has depended on from Russia has dropped precipitously, mostly from Russia withholding it in order to sort of exercise some leverage over. Western Europe, um, who is responsible for um, imposing a lot of sanctions on Russia for, again, their illegal uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, but recently, or at least in the last couple of days, it was discovered that these two major pipelines were almost certainly sabotaged, which basically means that next to no natural gas from Russia is going to make its way into Europe anytime soon. Um, which is a, a pretty major development um, in itself. The larger question of who is responsible for this, this act of, of, of sabotage, um, which, again, like almost all people, like all analysts from all sides, uh, in, in military intelligence and so on, agree that, like, yeah, this was sabotage. Like, these pipes don't just leak. Except for in the this U.S., way. notably, though, because, like, I've seen that, like, a, like, several of, like, the representatives for the u.s quoting these stories they were the only ones that were saying that you know it's too early to say like who Mm. did it or like or not who did it it, but if it was if it was sabotage whereas like like everyone else seemed to be kind of yeah confirmed i mean it seemed like russia and pretty much all of europe who are the principal you know owners of this pipeline or at least the people who are dependent on it one way or the other seem to be happy with with the fact that this is almost certainly sabotage. I think the Danish prime minister also came out and said effectively this. And it was, um, it was, uh, I'll have to find this tweet. There was a, uh, aunt, the wife of Ann Apple, or rather the husband of Ann Applebaum, who I believe is a, um, she's an Atlantic contributor, right? Yes, she is. And her husband is Radislav Sikorsky, who's a Polish, um, defense or I think he's the Polish defense minister. Um, he tweeted out and a member of the European parliament, 
he tweeted out a picture of like the roiling gas that has just been like boiling to the surface. It kind of looks like a sort of like like Godzilla or like a yeah. There we go. Um, maybe we'll we'll put some picture of this in the show notes or something. Um, it's a pretty. It's I think when we did a show a while ago about that one of those Gulf disasters where there was mm. just like a huge patch of the ocean was on fire. Right. Sort of like yeah. that. Um, but the European version, so like less cool. Right. Um, not on fire. Right. But he posted a photo of that on Twitter, which I think is still up. Yeah. That's just a picture that says "Thank you, USA," and oh. a picture of uh, that this gas leak. Yep. Well, you're um, so yeah, it, it's so it's it is an un, an open question, and a lot of pink fingers are being pointed um, in in every direction. Um, I guess the U.S. has maybe been a little coy in in in, in saying this, that, or the other thing, but uh, Russia has accused. The Ukraine, Ukraine, or their allies in the West or the U.S. of being behind the sabotage. Ukraine and Western Europe primarily have have accused Russia of of doing this um, presumed act of sabotage. Um, and the upshot is, yeah, I guess a sort of deepening and heightening of the stakes of the conflict. It's sort of like no going back now situation, at least in, insofar as this gas element of it is concerned and like this provision of of, of power and, and this like important natural resource is really at the heart of the, of the conflict. Um, and then also not mentioned is that like methane is insanely, is an insanely potent greenhouse gas, like much more than carbon. Um, and right. just like, it should be pointed out these pipes were were not actively transiting gas, but they were turned off and contained. I mean, they're like miles and miles of long pipeline contained a lot of gas already, and all of that has just been leaching out for like the last several days. So that's you know just like another little like little gut punch for the our ailing climate. Um, but that's not really like what is I guess primarily at issue for for most commentators but yeah i don't know do you, have you guys been following this at all do you have any 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 uh any confessions to make uh, yeah where were you last <laughs> where were you? <laughs> well I, I know i mean there's a lot of things to say but i think it's interesting that like the fact that it wasn't on right is it, all of it's really interesting when you start taking in the perspective of like there's a war going on because like as I understand, there is still oil, there's still gas making its way through uh, between the EU and Russia, but, like, this is, like, uh, I don't know, it's, like, the perception of what's going on, right, is just as big as, like, the actual impact of, like, less gas, because it's, like, a, you know, you want to know who did it, right? It's, like, a, it's, like, a, a, um, what's her name, the, the old, like, English writer who did all the, who done it? It's like Agatha oh, Christie yeah. novel, except for geopolitics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and like regardless of the actual, like I think gas prices are up now in Europe and stuff. But if, aside from the actual effect, it's like it's there's a political effect that's probably happening with it too. Yeah, you know, for it's sure. like this 3D chess type of thing. Well, it's it's weird because so I for some some context because when I I, I reported on this, I reported yeah. on this a few days ago, and what was like. What I think a lot of people were missing in in their reporting was like the scale of the of these pipelines. Is they're uh -huh. huge pipelines. So like Russia to they go Russia to Germany, which is like not a close distance. Uh -huh. The pipelines there's two pipelines and they make up a collective like one thousand five hundred twenty six miles. So mm -hmm. I think 
each pipeline is like uh they were the longest pipelines in the world i believe when they were built so Nord Stream one was like the longest natural gas pipeline only to be surpassed by Nord Stream two which is crazy and then uh the annual capacity of Nord Stream one was 1.9 trillion cubic feet of natural gas and to put that in perspective the u.s from the u.s energy information administration the u.s consumes consumed 30.28 trillion cubic feet of natural gas in 2021 so it's it's less than we would consume but that's still a lot yeah right and we are literally gas guzzlers yeah yeah Right. And this is, there were attacks on, or rather disrupt, you know, there were explosions of some sort, which is probably sabotage, it looks like at this point, on two, Nord Stream 1 and 2. Right. Um, which the second one is like a new pipeline that was just about to be opened up um, as like this marquee sort of effort um, in this in this ongoing trade prior to the invasion. Um and as you said, yes, yeah, some gas does come through from Russia through an old pipeline um, from like the Soviet area that actually runs through Ukraine. Really, and wow. is I believe like actively still operational, oh, which wow. is kind of insane. Yeah. That's the Russia is selling <laughs> gas to Western Europe via a Ukrainian pipeline while there's a war in that country. Um, but I, I I think yeah, it's important to realize I guess that like. Without Russian natural gas, like Western Europe, Germany, I mean, you've probably heard if you've been like paying attention at all to the news, like the UK is facing like an absolutely massive cost of living crisis concerning gas and people heating their homes and their energy bills, um, which is all due to the shortage of, of Russian natural gas. And there's no like ready alternative. Right. right. Um, there's the not kicker. like anywhere that has the capacity or the infrastructure or the ability to replace this right so it's like honestly the political ramifications even setting aside this most recent you know little pipeline disruption uh are like potentially massive um like what's the politics of a country that has to tell its citizens that like you're gonna have to be freezing cold all winter colder than you've ever remembered being um because of uh we are we are supporting uh, Ukraine, this faraway country. I mean, not that far away, but still, like, um, if you're German or, or, you're, or you're British, like, I don't know. Obviously, everyone's sympathetic to Ukraine. I mean, they got invaded, and they're defending their country as they should. But um, the political implications of this are, are I think, going to be profound and hard to anticipate. Well, there's, like, a, a sorry, um, a wider thing, too, of, like, this is, I mean, this is, who knows how long this will be felt, but also in general, like living in a, like if we're looking out in the future, it's like living in a situation where you're so dependent on like so many different places for so many different things. It's like, you get, it gets really complicated really quickly because like, if you want to, I don't know if you, if you depend on some country that, you know, invades someone else and they make all your semiconductor chips or something, then like, you know, what do you do then? Or what do you do with like any number of other resources that you're not making? And like, that's not necessarily new, but it's becoming, I think, more standard for a lot of things, right? And, like, um, you know, you fast forward. And, like, there's the backlash to that has been, like, a thing, too. Like, like here, you know, 
it's like one of the few things that both like it seems like the left and the right have kind of agreed recently is that they want to start like kind of making more like self-produced things here in order to be less dependent so it's a hard thing with gas like energy is a you know a uniquely difficult thing to it do is. that with but yeah yeah and i mean i feel like you know there's a lot to be said about like switch to renewables and stuff like that right. but like the fact of the matter is like we're at where we're at but what i thought was like interesting what not interesting but also i'll preface this by saying i'm not a geo a geopolitical savvy person obviously uh, politics is very important i'm just i think i'm ignorant in a lot of the the we've got a spy you're, here, the, science, you're the science guy <laughs> right i turned my brain off when the political conversation start. no i'm kidding but i think uh something i saw too was like um there were there were episodes throughout the summer of uh quote unquote maintenance that was being done on the Nord Stream pipeline because the Nord Stream pipeline is uh owned by a Russian owned energy company yeah state energy company right and so Russia throughout the summer was basically like turning the pipeline off and on for maintenance and. I got the vibe that that was sort of a power move because I think like I, there was some reporting that was like scheduled maintenance for this long. It actually right. took this long, which right. is like so clearly like an agenda there. Like, you know, and I mean, infrastructure always takes longer to fix than you think it does. But I think um, I'm not saying those episodes of maintenance are connected to this, this sabotage, but I think that there's. Th yeah. Of natural right. gas, like exactly. in this conflict, and exactly. it's like it's a war against Russia and Ukraine. But like Ukraine is obviously, you know, has the support of Western Europe and is sort of identified with with Western Europe and NATO to a certain extent, and which is, you know, come up as a, as a bone of contention time and time again. Um, so yeah, it is. It's incredibly salient, and I think it is one of the few things that Russia really has the wet or Western Europe in particular has their fucking nuts in a vice over this type of thing yeah. over this in particular so i guess on this matter like there are some there are theories about like who's responsible um that i've read and some people and obviously this breaks down pretty neatly along you know people's partisan lines vis-a-vis -vis the conflict so like a lot of people in the west and western europe and and the united states have have wanted to implicate russia along the logic of this is a Russian, it's already there. It's their pipeline in large part. They have access to it. And it's, it's a means of showing the West that like they're committed to this conflict. They're basically saying like, we're cutting the safety line. Like, fuck this. We're in, we're in balls deep. We're in all the way. And like, we're not, we're not backing down. Um, and we can strike, like we can commit strikes like well into you know, NATO aligned territory. That's one line of thinking. The other is that this would be the United States or, a, 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 you know, someone or Ukraine or someone broadly aligned with that block, which I, I happen to find more persuasive along the logic that, you know, Russia is a making lots of revenue from the export of their gas and oil. Um, in part because the reduction in supply due to the war has made the price of both of those commodities skyrocket. So that's big money for them. And also it's a point of leverage, like you were saying with like, you know, this like quote unquote maintenance over the summer. It's like they really can 
turn the screws on Europe vis-a-vis their control of this of this gas and oil. So it seems crazy to me on a certain level that Russia would want to destroy their own pipeline and thereby eliminate one, one of their only points of leverage over Western Europe in this conflict when they are under all of these sanctions and so on. So um, those are just some some positions that I've that I've seen explaining and who, I guess we'll, we'll learn more as uh, as time goes on. But yeah, I just want to say like a big boiling patch of ocean is some very good future Zhao yeah. visuals. Um, yeah, go ahead. Max. No, I was just I mean, it's yeah, def- I mean, you you. Kevin hit on it for a second, but I think it's worth maybe like just going over like you're saying, oh, people have poo-pooed the idea of like why not just have renewables, right? Like why why are you so dependent on these things? Maybe like why is that like not an option? Like you could say. Yeah, I'm not an expert on natural gas specifically, but the the my understanding is natural gas is uh you know natural gas's main purpose is to like is to heat our homes, and my understanding is. You know, you can look at like something like, um, like solar. Like that is a really uh good, readily available alternative to something like um, like uh, I guess nuclear to like create electricity. The problem with natural gas, my understanding is that there's just not a really like economically viable, scalable, and just available uh option i think the the best yeah so i think the i think the best option that is sort of like and that's not like my opinion i think like just the the option that we have is geothermal which is just like not super viable right now i just i don't think the tech is there and so i think we're in this like weird kind of spot as a society where we're just sort of like we we have like these 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 options like we can drive EVs and we can you know it's our it's our producer telling me to stop talking, but I think I think natural gas is just in this like weird kind of uh, like just this frozen state of just like we're just kind of stuck with it for now. Yeah, and I guess it's like particularly in like in the Europe case because like like as I understand like in the U.S. like we do have quite a bit of renewables now, but it's also the case that like we make like we're not as dependent on other countries for like yeah. for our gas so it's like we can kind of have that flexibility where it's I like we export gas now. right yeah definitely for a while but like if you're europe like my understanding is that like there's not that same amount of flexibility right yeah when what what i think is interesting too is like we i think we compare usa to eu a lot and then we forget that like eu is like several countries right. and so like you know the wait what yeah i know <laughs> dude breaking news we've got a we've got a breaking news story here but yeah like I, I so so you think about like you know the u.s as as a body and the eu as a body but the eu and i guess you can make the argument like oh u.s has states but like we still operate as a as a unit right and so like the eu is like this this body of like several kind of almost just separately operating nations and just the the implications of like cutting off a resource to several countries at once is like pretty dystopian yeah Yeah. we can we don't have to go so far into this but someone was making the point the other day that yeah like the u.s has a federal government but the eu in a way is like kind of like it has 
its own like it has its own version of texas and its own version of california <laughs> and like they're not in the same geographical oh, regions but they are like if no, you look at like there's like totally these like like the western european countries are like the northeast or something who's like, the texas of the eu uh, that's a good question i mean like oh well fucking uh that's a good question maybe not Ger- no not germany maybe like uh I mean, honestly, like, well, Britain's not in it anymore. Right. I was so, gonna say, I was gonna say the yeah. UK, but it doesn't. That's not a super pertinent. I was almost gonna say, like, I mean, Russia is. If we're not, if we're talking EU, yeah, I feel like Russia is. It, okay, not EU, but Russia is the Texas of Europe. <laughs> oh, yeah. You had me continent. second guessing. I was like, Russia's in the EU. Yeah, it's like, EU, wait a minute. Well, Texas is also not in the United States. Right, so right. Like, yeah. Or the EU for that matter. I think France is the Northeast, and who's California? I think Germany's California. Cal- yeah, Germany's California. California. Okay, California. I can see it. But then, yeah. like, who, like Alabama would be like uh, Greece like, or something, or or like Hungary like, or yeah, <laughs> like, totally yeah, not Hungary, definitely Greece, or maybe Italy. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think like all the whole the Balkans are just the Midwest generally, oh, good that's one. because like that, everyone yeah. in the Midwest has like inscrutable hatreds for one another. Yeah, where like uh, if you're like from indiana you like fucking hate ohioans right and like ohioans like hate michiganders right and it's just like everyone else is like you guys are all just fucking (laughs) hicks and weirdos you sound strange yeah no one understands no one gets it um yeah anyway europe good luck guys yeah yeah good luck i'll be over here in my toasty ass home yeah (laughs) thoughts and prayers burning coal yeah (laughs) um yeah it'll be okay you guys um so I guess let's move it right along, eh? Um, yeah, let's do it. What's what's next on the docket, Mac? What do um, discuss? You want to do ring? Yeah, let's, let's do, do ring. A, let's do a ring and ding ding on uh, the ding, old... dong. ding ding dong ding dong ding dong. Oh, You're whoa. going to jail. Yeah, <laughs> basically is the and we're gonna air it on television. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just do a brief brief recap and then we can talk about it. But so ring, which we've talked about a bunch on the podcast, is like Amazon's own smart doorbell. Um company but in like the ultimate move of synergy because they amazon recently bought mgm studios which makes james bond all that they came out with this proposal for a show it's called ring nation and uh basically it's like if you've seen american home videos that's what they're they're america's funniest home videos that's what they're modeling it after but the idea is is that you get like rings obviously capture footage of like what's going on in front of people's homes so that video footage is then going to be aired as like clips and uh, wanda sykes from uh, i forget what exactly she's famed for but she's a comedian stand up comedian and she was in um she's in she was on like, and stuff but she was on like mad tv i feel like oh yeah i have vague memories of that was she also she maybe was like did cameos on reno 911 it's fact track i think she does a lot she's definitely like she's the cameo one of the cameo kings of like you know sitcom shows right but um but so she was going to be doing um i wish i had the copy in front of me because it's pretty hilarious but they're saying it's like you know going from viral videos to like the light-hearted like funny moments on uh Ring, which is like as we've discussed in the podcast, like Ring is partnered with literally over twenty five hundred police agencies in the United States. Uh, it's like implicated in a ton of studies that show that it enhances, like in it, it, you know, pours fuel on the fire for like 
racism and for like this sense of like you know hating your neighbor and shit like that um and they're basically using its position to turn it into this like uh you know fun uh sort of sitcom okay but consider the absolutely vast repository of videos of people just like eating shit downstairs it is true <laughs> it is true no i'm not just, saying like, it's not gonna be funny crap falling like <laughs> just doing like yeah like yakety sack style Slippy D dips, slip and falls. <laughs> Slippity dips. <laughs> well, so, on ice, you know. I mean, the upper Midwest, uh, to you know, to invoke it again, <laughs> is probably just has hours of content of people slipping on ice right. and like eating shit down their stairs. Which you know, that's what America's Funnest Home Videos was all about. It was like a child hitting a hitting a rental clown at a birthday party in the nuts with a <laughs> with a baton of some sort or well, a two by all one. in the nuts this has to be that shot has, has to bread and butter man <laughs> honestly that's the biggest question is will there be enough nut shots <laughs> there must to captivate be. the country and not those type of nut shots either but let's uh, oh yeah no well there certainly are probably precious few cum shots captured oh, on ring yeah. I mean, we'll see. Honestly, I would be surprised. <laughs> I, I'm deeply fascinated with this. Obviously, like there's this 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 moral conversation that we're gonna have, but I'm deeply fascinated about this show from a like a production and also like reception standpoint. Like, so we, we were joking about like, okay, there's gonna be a lot of clips of people falling downstairs. What else are they going to be showing? Like, yeah, what else true. happens on a front porch that's like that hilarious? Well, like a dog attacking a mailman and people slipping downstairs. Except like in a fisheye camp, like oh yeah, like it's. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's only so many heartwarming videos. Like I think the idea is kind of like a lot of social media where it's like you mix in the heartwarming, but really right. what gets you there is like mm. seeing someone get tackled by right. a cop like right. in front of a ring doorbell yeah. or something like that. Although I did, I do remember if I recall from the article, there was also like they they really big up the notion of like the classic like if you ever went to like a so like a football game. Um, in like the last like ten years of like having a, a troop return home to the surprise right. of their oh, family, sure, I think sure. they specifically were like, "It's gonna be a lot of those." Oh my god! So you get like your tear jerkers, um, you know, troops. Maybe um, there was that thing. I think we talked about this on the show of this like the very fucked up trend of like putting a sign on your door to asking your FedEx man to like do the Dougie. Oh, the TikTok. Oh so yeah. Can put it on TikTok. Oh my God. This is like, do a dance. You fucking uh, peon. My God. <laughs> well, it's... So there'll probably be a good bit of that. And then maybe, you know, maybe there'll be like someone will have cited the Mothman or something. Or something. By the yeah. time this comes out, we'll probably know more about this, but it's, it's actually a point of contention because the show was supposed to come out. It was gonna air air near. This was it was gonna air nationally. Um, was it Midwest nationally? Uh, it was supposed to air nationally on like Prime Video and through syndicated TV on the twenty sixth. But there's been kind of a bunch of backlash by all the folks that you would come to associate with like not wanting Ring sort of to be spreading people's personal information out on public TV. I'm surprised enough people give a shit. People were mad about this. Certain. People were really mad about this. Yeah. Um, I think, like, we'll go into the details, but it's, like, I think, like, a lot of stuff that Amazon does, it's, like, they're just so uh, tone deaf that yeah. they don't understand that it's not working. Because I think the move here was that, like, this is going to make 
rings PR better, I right? Was say, this because is so clearly like a PR yeah, because people that, have such a bad connotation of ring. Well, and I think know? specifically the news of like the news broke of like the the police having access to the to the ring. I remember some big stories that were coming out, and then like yeah. three weeks later, they were like, "Hey guys, Ring Nation's gonna be quirky." Really fair, yeah. but it like went completely the other direction, right? Because it's like it's anyone with two cents of a brain is like, this is fucking weird and dystopian. Yeah. And I think that resonated. So there was a big push by these activist groups to cancel Ring Nation, and they just like didn't say anything about it. Like they let it kind of slide. And yeah. then I was looking at it a couple days ago to see like if it was gonna come out, and it just never aired. Like they didn't say it was canceled. They didn't say it wasn't happening. It just never aired. Yeah. Um, and then it turned out that like it did air, but like only in like a dozen B market places that like had no idea, like that that it was it was supposed to be like a big thing. And so now there's this open question that probably will be we'll have an answer for it by the time you're listening to this. But it's like why what happened well, and like how much? Were, I think actually I did read that they were testing like a, a sort of experimental feature whereby it, anyone who watched the Ring program would experience. Um, seven days later, a, a woman would crawl out of your television and kill you. Oh, um, shit. So they couldn't really, like, roll that out on a national scale. I gotta make some calls. Yeah, right. So hopefully you didn't watch it. Yeah. Um, ideally, especially not on VHS. Um, and if, like, you know, there was, like, some weird, like, disembodied severed fingers crawling around, like, in the previews and stuff. Then you should probably get in touch with Amazon. Is there a fucking right. ring um, drone thing just comes out and just murks, <laughs> murks you? Yeah, yeah pew, just pew. fucking assassinates you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with with that. But it is pretty dystopian. I want to. I hope that comes out. Man. No, I we should do a review that. episode. That would be great. Oh yeah, my totally, god, like totally. a commentary track. Yeah. That would be so fun. Totally. Totally. Companion. Yeah. I saw. I was in the you know the great the well esteemed Home Depot the other day getting a pl- uh, plywood. And nice. uh, there was a whole row of rings oh, and uh, to make Max make a loom, and so we were trying to make a Sick. cut it down, but um, but yeah. So <laughs> no, for viewers, it sounds like I'm talking the third person. But that's <laughs> like, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, Max, Max, that tripped me up. That tripped me up. <laughs> Doing the Trump. Yeah. Uh, but no, but there was a whole row of just uh, Amazon rings and also the Google Nests, yeah. which. Yeah, it's for a different podcast, but they like Ring has just gotten so much bad press that those other ones that are quite big have uh, kind of not uh, slid under the radar a bit. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what's there. We do have there's some other kind of surveillancey news, I guess, that we can get out of the out of the yeah, way yeah, while we're yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to do that transition. That was really um, good. Look at that. that really yeah, good. see, we're working on our working on buttery, buttery smooth. Uh, this is uh, well, what's all. Huh. What's not buttery smooth is having your shit taken from you at the airport because I don't so know. True. We actually have someone, Kevin. You've had this happen, but I'll tee it up for you. Um, there, you know, TSA is a constant staple of this podcast. But there was a report that came out. Both one second. That was like a music um, box going it's, it's on. It's Dell like, messaging me <laughs> about yeah, the shit. Ballerina. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> damn, China. Um, play faster. But yeah, no, the news came out recently. Uh, our, one of our colleagues said Gizmodo actually covered it and other people covered it, but um, Customs and Border Patrol and to an extent TSA, like at the airports, um, the airports, at airport stops. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, everyone's had this experience, but technically 
especially when you're coming in from an international arrival, uh, they're allowed to search your phone for any reason, right? Um, because it's a port of entry. And so someone can seize your phone and then look through your texts and then give it back to you. And then that's bada boom, bada bing done. So how it's supposed to work. This report came out and showed that there's a database. Um, I forget where it is, but there's a central database that they're hosting all of that. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> oh there, God. fellas. It's just full of people's stolen <laughs> Yeah. Shit. But basically, yeah, that's it. It's that it they're hosting your, your shit for like 15 plus years. Um, which was unknown before. And so it's this huge thing because it's like people who are concerned about it will say that it's, you know, a violation of your civil rights because basically it's undue search and seizure. And yeah, it seems explicitly like, right. like that. Right. Why? Just because you're entering a country that you can like have all of your personal information and, and photos and yeah, like anything that may be contained in your, in your messages, like just, turned over to the absolute like goons and morons of the tsa well it's like we were talking about last week because it was the anniversary of 9 that's like 11. genuinely it's like surprising total... but i guess yeah. it shouldn't be well i mean it's there's i think what's interesting is that like it's always it's been a thing that like it's the same reason why at the airport they can search your body it where they can't do that at like down the street. I mean, in New York they can because of stop and frisk, baby. But like a lot of, you can't really have unnecessary seizures as the way you can at airports. Right. And that's whether that's right or wrong, that's been a thing. But the, the fact that they're like storing all of that, because, you know, potentially right. the worst case scenario is that like, you could say like you didn't do anything wrong. You had your text messages or whatever looked at. Some but then, TSA like, guy five is years... just jerking off to the yeah. to every nude on your phone <laughs> for, for the next. I mean, that's you, which is honestly like definitely a thing. That oh, happens totally. All oh, are you time. kidding? Well, do you, sure. do you guys remember when they first had Some that very controversy with the people like? In the early versions of those scanners, it would show the outline right. of yeah. Yeah. like dicks, dicks. Show, and yeah. uh, people were like abusing it like yeah. it came out that like the tsa was yeah like, they're like oh, i'm gonna need you to go back in <laughs> yeah turn around okay. actually the men the small penis lobby had that had those machines removed right. i was actually in favor of it total sidetrack but this was I like uh, i don't know why i was this came up uh infer what you will but there was a story about the the man with the recorded world's largest penis, who's actually from New York. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he got stopped at the TSA a couple of years ago. How big are we talking? It's I think it was 12 inches hard. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Is it that? Is that? Supposedly. That's Supposedly. big. That's that is big. I'm not, I'm not sneezing at that. But <laughs> Joe is like, yeah. It's just like on. really yeah. thin. Yeah. It's really long. I know. Really I think thin. you have to really do like some it's type like of. A... I think you got to go by weight. I think you have to go by. I think you, you have to go like Randy Marsh. Wait, no, but wait, wait, wait. Time circumference yeah. count shit. for both length and and girth. But it's just like, how do you then? How do you yeah. then measure? My I think there's got to be a his... ratio, a golden ratio between girth and length. Uh, maybe if you do is. like a length times width times height, height situation, yeah. you can get a cubic um, sort of thing. But it's like, yeah, right. Like if it's twelve inches, it's like, okay, well, are we talking? Are we talking like a twelve inch sharpie? I mean, right. his, his, his was like, like a drumstick. From what I understand, yeah. it was a like a you know deli style bologna. Like, okay. Oh, because, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because so prasada. Gabagoo. Keeping his ex girlfriends <laughs> in my thoughts and prayers. No, That's because crazy. Uh, yeah, he got stopped, and like the TSA obviously was like 
he like, was like let's thought go. that he was putting something in his pants and he was like oh. and he was like no it's my dick and they were just oh. like that's impossible no way and so they did do a strip search and apparently, apparently he's well not a strip search but the you know where they they put your hand all the way up yo and yeah. uh, and he was like famously in this article I think it's Manny Fair he was saying that like yeah the TSA guy just kept a straight face the entire time oh and, my god <laughs> how could you not but um. But yeah, this is uh, this is just like that. For yeah, whatever <laughs> we were talking about, which I forget what it is, it's just like the, this guy's giant giant dick being long. Um, I mean, it is. I want to say it's like it is so appalling that just like every time you get an airplane, like some guy is just gonna like very feasibly just grope your shit and like yeah. fuck with you and like you know photo image you and hit you with an x-ray and then like you know fondle your 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 johns and so on what an appalling state of affairs genuinely the terrorists did win 9-11 was a was a was a resounding success because look at what we have to go through now self-implosion for sure yeah this crazy article in the verge that came out a couple weeks ago about the tsa and honestly one of the best examples of like a an amazing lead into a story and basically the the story went that like this this TSA agent uh kept asking this family was wheeling an elderly relative into the uh security line at at an airport and the TSA agent was like you I need I need her to lift her head I I need to match her ID to her boarding pass to her face right. and they were like uh she's dead oh my god she was dead and they well, were, why was she at the airport? Why was they she bought the, the plane ticket and they were bringing her home. And I was As like, a corpse uh, on a flight. I don't. Can you do that? Apparently, you can. And she went. She she had to go through security. And like the TSA it agent, a literal had to, like, weekend at Bernie's. Pat, yeah, the, the TSA was she agent wearing had to, sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> she had a string tied to her hand. Yeah. No, but the TSA agent had to like do a pat down on this like dead body. That's so and wow. shit like that. It was a great article. I highly recommend you check wow. it out. I That's mean, it was, amazing. it was awful, but it was really, really well done. Um, but it, it just proved like how stupid TSA it is, is stupid. to some extent. But well, anyway, on this, on this, like uh, with the phone seizures thing, I brought it up partly because you were saying, Kevin, that this like literally happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I f- was flying out to visit a friend of mine in San Diego at the end of uh, August. Shout out, Rob. Um, and he – so I was flying out of Newark, which uh, I believe is, like, one of the uh, largest international airports, like, more so. Oh, it's so awful. <laughs> it's the pit to hell. Listen, I'm from – born and bred in New Jersey, and I will defend New Jersey with my dying breath unless you have something negative to say about – Newark International <laughs> Airport, and I will for sure agree with you. Um, United, y- exactly. So I think it, it's a huge, it's a huge international airport, more so I think than than LaGuardia and JFK, which which kind of that that context kind of tracks with this story. So I I am flying out with a, with another friend of mine, and we are going through the security line, and you know shoes off, whatever, belt off, whatever. And the uh, security woman is like, I need your phone. And I was like, okay. Which is never, I, <laughs> that is never. We all like to think we'd have some real snappy, like yeah. Clarence Darrow style defense. No. But to be honest, like you're almost always going to be like, okay. Okay. Cool. 
Here it is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was just like, okay. And I gave it to her, and I it was one of those moments in my defense where like I kind of was like half hearing her, and I just whatever that was stupid but so um this was prior to me actually going into the x-ray and i go through the x-ray they send my bags and my my little plastic bin with like my laptop and stuff in it in through the x-ray and then i am like putting my shoes back on and the same woman comes out and hands me my phone not a word was spoken and i thought right yeah i was scrolling through my contacts i was like oh shit um that's a joke but so I thought I really I really genuinely thought nothing of it. And in the back of my head, I was like, that was kind of odd. I've never had that happen to me at an airport. I've flown a lot throughout my life, but I've just that's never happened to me. And then and it did not happen to the friend that I was with. It was just it was just me. And so my friend Rachel that I was with, that did not happen to her. And then I was like just perusing the the Google Doc that that you two sent me of like what we're gonna talk about today and I saw like this this thing this this blurb about like oh TSA's taking your phone and I was like wait a wait or uh, Department of Homeland Security is taking your phone and I was like wait a, wait a damn second and so I think that because Newark is such a, a hub for international flights I think I was just randomly selected and it's funny that it was brought up that they're searching your phone and downloading the contents. They did not search my phone. There's no way they searched my phone why that you, quickly. Why, why do you why do you think that? It was like five minutes they had my phone. There's just no way they could do a search. Unless they unless could, they could da- they upload it. They download I think they downloaded it. I don't think they I don't think they searched it, but I think they downloaded it for well, sure. It's interesting because like I mean that kind of tracks because part of the thing with this story was that it was saying that in the last year like I forget the exact percentage, but it's been a huge uptick. Really, like a huge, huge uptick. So like, Whoa, I'm a statistic now. Yeah, yeah, something happened where you know, right. under the Biden administration, like there's been a change yeah. because like, yeah, yeah. And honestly, it's it's crazy because in this article it does say that like, there's a really intense correlation between number people who have had their phones taken in this manner and people who frequent the. Either one of two subreddits, self suck and auto fellatio. Yeah, I don't um, know what those are. Which is just so crazy. Um, anyway, we'll leave it there. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I'll just say last last little note is like I have never like I'm a white straight man in America. Like I've never much had to think about like my um, privacy or my security. But like this is the first time that I've like really like been like oh fuck like you know like there's there's obviously there's data out there on me somewhere but like someone has this data assuming that my phone was downloaded and is stored in one of these databases for sure yeah i mean i think there's a thing we've talked about it a bunch in the podcast but this idea of like how much because there's an era, era of like helplessness i guess of yeah. like what can you do and i think there's like this is an example where like if you put up enough of a hassle like they might not even do it but it's right. like like you were saying though like it's just one of these things where you get so caught up and like you got to get where you got to go and you got right. to blah, blah, blah. you just say yeah and you don't think about it um and that's kind of what they're banking on yeah you know, is that you're busy yeah um but anyway so if you do i mean i guess psa if, it, if you care at all is like you know maybe just like ask be like the annoying bitch that's like why do you need my phone? Be the I Karen. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> Channel the Karen. Karening is one of the last, you know, few powers that we have. It's to, so true. Uh, in in our in in our contest against you know uh, tyranny. 
That's Indeed. so true. Just Let me speak to your manager and your manager is yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking to your manager all the way up the chain to Joe Biden. And then just like popping a paper bag next to him and giving him a heart attack. No malarkey. No, no malarkey. malarkey. No more malarkey. Hey, hey. Um, um what's next? I think uh dart. get the dart. What are we going? Dart. What's that? What's dart? What's dart? Oh, what's dart? Let's talk about dart. What's dart? You know, have have you Stan Darsh? Dart is uh, a NASA mission that uh, had a very big week. Oh yeah, yeah. Darty so dart. yeah, we May love I? that. Yeah, take it. No, take it, please. So you, you wrote about this like this week. Right? I did. Like, so yeah, yeah. I the... I wrote about it last week, but that's fine too. <laughs> that's so cool. I love. I'd love to. I'd I mean, no, your thing it. is cool too. Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> Yeah, no, I haven't covered this extensively, but I am deeply fascinated by it. So DART is this uh, uh, mission by NASA that um, launched a couple months ago, I believe. And uh, basically, it is a a feverish attempt to test uh, the planetary defense of Earth by literally crashing this uh, probe into an asteroid uh, in space to see basically, like, how could we deflect an asteroid if, God forbid, we found one that was hurtling towards Earth? And so on September 26th, uh, the DART probe rendezvoused with the asteroid, which was called Dimorphos. Um, Is that right? Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It really rolls off the tongue. It really rolls off. Yeah. Well, DART stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test, which I find so funny. Yeah. But it's it's very cool. I mean, I I, I wanted to bring it up because I feel like it's it is uh one, one thing I love about the future is Ow as as an avid listener is the uh the parallels that are drawn between like dystopian science fiction and just the real world that we live in and I wanted to bring up DART because it feels very sci-fi, but not in a dystopian sci-fi way. It feels like sci-fi in like an action movie Bruce Willisy kind of way. So, um, but it was really, really rad. And uh, I don't know if you guys have opinions on it. I it was just before the opinion. I was just to say you should read our fucking opening line because that's a great succinct. <laughs> fucking description of the is out. <laughs> I, Kevin Hurler, hereby give consent to the producers of uh, the Futures Out to use my uh, likeness and. Uh, elevator pitch Very in future impressed. episodes thank yeah. you <laughs> thank you so much um yeah <laughs> oh if i had known i would have written something for this episode damn yeah Fuck like no, yours are eloquent and, thank and you they are it is yeah. a it's a great hook i you guys you guys um well okay <laughs> I, I i i but no i'm glad you brought this up because um you know as as a as a fan of bruce willis and you know 90s era sort of disaster schlock which is like something we don't really have anymore like they don't really make like sort of low to middle brow action movies anymore that right. are like i don't know that that are just like have a have a sort of a, a limited scope and just are like kind of avowedly sort of dumb but also like are not trying to be a franchise um it, it, it is great to see NASA taking up the torch. <laughs> what? One of the like most well-respected yeah. scientific institutions just fucking around. Yeah, they're like, yo, what if? I mean, yeah. So, but well, d- like, yeah. So basically, they they crashed a little 
probe into an asteroid and altered its course. Have you seen uh, this is my question because like I know that they successfully struck the the asteroid and thereby presume and I and I heard that it was like in terms of like the to get the um the proportion in in, in scale here for for the listeners what I heard um heard tell was that this was the equivalent of like crashing a golf cart into the Great Pyramid of Giza. That sounds about right. But, you know, obviously all parties are, the golf cart's traveling at like, you know, like 18,000 miles an hour. Right. And we're in vacuum, the vacuum of space. So you would think that like, I'm not, you're, I'm not the physics guy here. Thank you. But like, yes, I, I am for the listeners. You are. (laughs) Um, Kevin is the physics guy here. Yeah. Um, you know, that would have like a significant impact on, on trajectory. I'm sure, especially at, when you're covering great distances, do we know like what, where the fuck did this asteroid go? So the, the reason they, they crashed into this asteroid specifically is because it was uh, talking shit. It was talking <laughs> shit and it did get hit and it fucked around and it, it found out. <laughs> but the gag of it all is that Dimorphos is uh, orbiting um, another asteroid a called asteroid. a larger a larger asteroid called Didymos, and so Dimorphos is what's called a moonlit. Um, and so uh, they wanted to like cra- a man, like a, ma- like a cutlet, if you will, yeah. yeah. Um, so NASA wanted to 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 smash into Dimorphos because they wanted to smash a manlet, basically. right? Uh- <laughs> and. <laughs> Oh my God, NASA is hiring. If you're interested, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, they they wanted to smash into uh, into into this orbiting asteroid for two reasons. One, it is not going to crash into Earth, nor is it going to be pushed into Earth's orbit from this mission. I saw I saw that concern, but um, basically what they're what they're trying to do is if you think of like a two bodies that are orbiting around each other, we on earth, we can, we can track the orbit of the, of the orbiting body. But once dart crashes into it, that orbit's going to change. And so they want to see how much that orbit is changing. And so if they just crashed into some random asteroid that was tumbling through space, they'd have no baseline of like how, how the, how it changed. And so they basically are, I think they're basically trying to crunch the numbers of like the transfer of momentum and all the fun physics intro physics stuff burp um that <laughs> that 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 you uh that you have to deal with but yeah so i think they need like sort of a baseline of where it was and and now and now where it is and where it's at. changed yeah so on outside of like actually that mission how confident is like nasa or the greater space like establishment of like knowing where these things are going like are we like how concerned are we that like we could just get like a random thing out of nowhere that could be heading towards us. So. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think we're particularly concerned. I, again, like I, I don't want to like put words in anyone's mouth or like pull statistics out of thin air. I don't think we're particularly concerned. I, NASA has like a really, uh, I mean, scientists in, in general, especially astronomers, like have a really good idea of where things are in space. So much so like the James Webb telescope is collecting data that's like so robust. We're like revisiting our planetary models that are pre-existing because like it's so good at tracking things, track tracking where things are. <laughs> Billy is freaking out. Uh, but uh, I-, I think we're good. I really think that this is just sort of like um, not like a not like a passion project for NASA. But I think I think, you know, I think. I think there's this there's probably this internal movement of like 
Space Force, planetary defense, Trump's not our president, so we're getting actual funding and stuff like that. And so I think they have the the resources to test this. It's the time to test this. And honestly, it probably does tie in a little bit to what we're going to talk about later about where money shifting around in, in NASA. But I guess to answer your question, I, I am not aware of any asteroids that are currently hurtling towards Earth. I think we're in the clear for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was if you were say, concerned. I was just to say that, like, uh, and we'll talk about this probably more in your, in your, in the second half here, yeah. but, like, it does feel like that NASA is, like, totally, like, you know, the the uh the 50 year old dad who like now gets to like you know sort of like chill out and like have a good right. time because it's like they're just like i don't know it seems like they're having a moment right now yeah. of like eh, there's less pressure you got spacex yeah. you got these other guys doing stuff it's, it's like their like, senior spring right just chilling. <laughs> yeah nasa's like the dad who got like laid off from their job and then like you know, their wife divorced them and then married like a really wealthy guy. And now he's your stepdad and <laughs> right. he's just like buying you a boat and sending you to space camp. And then like, you know, your dad is just like, oh, uh, you got you want to launch a model rocket? And right. you're like, I- I'm busy this weekend. Dad. So NASA is the stepdad. Yeah. NASA okay. is the like the cucked stepdad. Right. I think that's fair. Which I think, <laughs> I mean, well, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this very that's soon. Fair. I, that's fair. I mean, well, and like, you, I think, I think my, I think it'll be borne out by what's, what's to come. Right. Um, but that's just my reading. Um, but we'll, we'll get into it. But yeah. Um, do we should we want to take a, a little quick break? Well, let's take a break. I did want to. We don't spend a lot of time, but one uh, announcement is uh, <laughs> I just thought it was funny enough that we could mention is uh, Edward Snowden, who like has played a big role in like a lot of my uh, uh, foundations. Uh, yeah, and he's featured a lot in, in topics on this podcast. So he uh, is now a Russian citizen. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Are we cheersing to that? Yeah. It was Are we toasting that to Ed Snow? Yeah, oh, to here. Yeah. To here. Yeah, yeah. Hear ye, hear ye. So a glass of vodka to We're Mr. Edward Snowden. And also potentially, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> with the announcement, which uh, came as a surprise to him, apparently, from his attorney and a bunch of basically everyone else. Uh, for those who don't know, he's been in uh, asylum in Russia since 2013 uh, when he disclosed the NSA leaks. And there was an international manhunt for him. He's been in hiding in Russia and uh, has been trying to get uh, a pardon from three presidents now um, who all have basically said, fuck off, like you're untouchable. And so now out of nowhere, Putin, like uh, basically as the reporting goes, like sing- like without telling anyone, just said, yes, you're like I'm granting you citizenship which led some people online to speculate whether or not that meant that he would be now eligible for uh, Russia's recent uh, conscription or partial mobilization, which requires that there's like, uh, you know, if you're a Russian citizen with military background that like now you can be called up to go to Ukraine. Um, It turns out that's not probably the case, but it was a funny little thing for a minute. Um, But, uh, but it is interesting, though, because it's like a kind of a moment, you know. Well, it definitely, I think, signals something that is not is sort of bad and ominous, which is just that like any sort of pretenses of like diplomatic niceties that had existed between Russia and the West and the U.S. are just being done away with entirely. And there is like a, a real retrenchment happening, which, you know, is not probably dope for two nuclear armed p 
peers uh, on the, in the global stage. So we don't love that and its implications per se. However, you know, maybe something good will just end up happening anyway. Well, I think with the, uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's like, could be, could be, could be better. Because we don't love that. <laughs> That's not dope for two nuclear yeah. armed forces. Oh my God. I'm giggling. I do think it's funny that with the snow thing was like, so obviously like for years now, like people in the U.S. and elsewhere have, like, been trying to get him extradited to the U.S. basically uh, to be hung to death, right, uh, for espionage. Um, and, you Mysteriously, know, he's resisted these up. Right, he's resisted them, but... Uh, and, like, it's always I'm trying been, to get him extradited to my house to chill. It is nice. It is funny that, like... Uh, Can I get him extradited to be on the future as Al? Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. he might do it. I mean, he, he's... Uh, I've always, you know, I, I think he did the right thing, but... <laughs> it's funny because like I, he has a Substack, which is funny in itself. Edward Snowden and, uh, has a Substack. He has a Substack. Oh. Yeah, I was doing this when I was looking at this, and like if you, I mean, if someone can pull it up, it's oh. great because his last Substack, it's on his Twitter, was a couple days before this citizenship thing happened, and I forget what the title was, but it's very like it's basically a Rage Against the Machine song, and it has a photo of biden with like the you know the the fucking like ss officer looking dudes in the background it's called america's open wound yes this so cia this was, is not your friend so this was days before he was like named russian citizen which just like doesn't help his case oh my God. at all and i was like oh oof oof but uh so we'll see what happens with mr a really uh, robust mr. conversation um that's uh our chambers um we're set too. Sounds good. Cool. We'll give you some music and uh, we'll be back. All right, we're back. Thank you, Dalton Core. It's been a while since we've said that. Yeah, Dalton, of Dalton the... Core's in town right now. Is he actually? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, we can talk off mic, maybe. Nice. See him on Friday. I would love Perhaps to. He's yeah. Around, he's around town. We need to ask um, him for some more espresso tempo espresso content. Tempo we've been running running oh, really? his stuff raw. Okay, yeah, maybe we can get a fresh a fresh batch, a fresh grind. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Dalton. Um, Kevin, are you a fan of the arts? <laughs> the arts? I, I am, yeah. Earth without art is just eh. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might even be inclined to flee into outer space. Ooh. Hey. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, that's before you even start. This is a good segue that Space Force has a new song. Oh, oh shit. shit. That was 
That was pretty good. That was so good. I actually hated it. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, this podcast receives a lot of money from the United States government. I loved it. They're right. (laughs) Sick. We're going to edit. All right. You'll you'll handle that in post, Mac. Um, Okay. But while we're in outer space, um, let's maybe cut to the quick of why... uh, well, not, not not simply why Kevin's here, because obviously Kevin is 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 a joy to have in class. But um, <laughs> what what what's 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 at the heart of a uh, of the of the show today? What's what's eating what's eating Kevin Hurler? Is it the the imminent demise of the in, of the ISS? Um, I didn't know you were such a fan of the the Caliphate. <laughs> is it the imminent demise of ISIS? <laughs> One slip up, it's ruined. One extra eye. No, the the International Space Station. Um, what's what's happening to our dear International Space Station? Right. And, uh, why why should we be uh, concerned? Um, well, I mean, I guess uh, I I don't think anyone. Should I guess just some, <laughs> some backstory here. Uh, one of the things that I, I love about my job is that I get to I get to write about a lot of different stuff. And uh, one of the things we have a vertical at Gizmodo called Space Flight, which is really really fun and it's really really cool. Shout out George Dvorsky, who is yeah, the editor for that. He's a beast and he's super knowledgeable. But it's really cool because you know I, I I as I said earlier I skew a little more towards like science research and I've covered some like astronomy research, but like. Space flight is a lot more of like space engineering and space politics and space stations and rockets and launches and all that shit. Um, and so one of the when when Max so graciously asked me to be on the show, I kind of like didn't know what to bring. Uh, and so I was like, what is sort of like vaguely dystopian, but also like prescient in a way that is sort of like important and then i saw this article about how nasa and the partners it uh has for the iss are planning on uh crashing it into the ocean which the iss is like pretty right the the international space station right Right, yes yes those are synonymous but i i guess before we get into that i want for the fellas in the room what what do we know about that international space station i gotta put on my teacher hat for a second i'll start because i know nothing which is a good um, that's great. It's this kind of like utopian example of like cooperation amongst nations where like space people from like China and Russia and the US, US go and like they spend some time up there in space and they do like little readings and they float around and they like, you know, put the toothpaste in the zero gravity and try to catch it right. that's that's what i that's what i imagine that's pretty good what right. do you think Joe? Yeah. um I, I my understanding is that it sort of is like looks like one of those like a like a what do you call it? like that tw- like a twist twisted a bop it? now yeah it looks like a big <laughs> bop it that's floating that was actually the, that space. was the working title for it before <laughs> yeah. they decided the ISS. It. yeah so it's like a big bop it out in space where um I don't know presumably some important work's going on. <laughs> All I ever see from it is people like strumming the acoustic guitar and uh you know sort of like dicking around with globules of liquids. <laughs> but um what Mac had to say I think is 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 important part that it was truly international. So you had you know you had your 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 astronauts, your cosmonauts, 
your taikonauts. Your what? What do the Chinese call their knots? I don't know. Actually, neither do I. But you had a where there there weren't Chinese people on the. I don't think there were. But you had a sort of international body up there dicking around, presumably getting some work done, Um, and people would cycle on and off. Yeah. But I don't really know. I don't know. We really know what 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 the mission was. Presumably science related. And their bones would get really jelloey. That's what I remember right. too. Yeah. Right. Really getting a gig of mega cancer up there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you kind of nailed it. So yeah. So the the International Space Station is sort of this. Uh, I think it's a wonderful example of just like a scientific marvel. Like there's really no like agenda except like do science. And so it was launched in all the way back in 1998. Think about what you were doing in 1998. I was, I was being two years old. I was shitting my, my pants. I was shitting and farting. I was linking and building. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Right. I was, you know, and, uh, what's fascinating is there, it's never been since the year 2000, it has not been unmanned. So there's constantly been a rotating crew. There's never been no one on the ISS as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, the the big countries are like United States, Russia, Japan, Canada, and then like most of Europe through the EU are involved in it. But then even like there have been visitors on the ISS from Malaysia, Kazakhstan, Brazil, Israel, South Korea, like like countries you don't necessarily think as like big forces in space have been chilling on the ISS at one point or another. And um, yeah, the agenda is basically just like do science, which is cool. So there's uh, something about space that's very interesting. And this again, my physics is coming out like. When you are in uh, zero G, you're not really in zero G. You're kind of in this constant state of free fall. So it's called microgravity. And so a lot of the experiments that NASA is doing on stuff for deep space travel or future missions to Mars or you know going back to the moon, uh, foreshadowing, wink, wink, that needs to be done in a microgravity environment in order to get like authentic results. And so... The ISS is basically just this, uh, basically just a glorified research lab that is constantly orbiting the Earth. Of course you can. Is it possible to create microgravity or zero gravity on Earth, or is that impossible? That is impossible because we have, like, our, our Earth's gravity. And but can just... we just, like, make it go away for a little, for a little <laughs> while? It honestly would probably be cheaper to fly to space and go to the ISS than to turn off gravity. But who's to say? But what's what's interesting about? Oh, sorry, Mac. Were you gonna say something? No, I mean I was just gonna ask another. I mean, it, not to be so specific, no, but no. like it is like the ISS is like it's a relatively recent thing, right? It's like it was in the nineties or something like that. Ninety eight, it was launched. Okay, that's what's interesting. I mean, not to get super tied up in the politics of it and stuff, but it's interesting to me that it's like post Cold War, yeah. uh, kind of like this like small moment in time of like this like kind of cooperate. Cooperative 90s were a time of immense optimism, I feel like, in yeah. general, you know. Well, it really feels, the ISS, like, when you look at the ISS, like, as I was saying, like, it's just, it, its only purpose is, like, to do science. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there's, like, there's geopolitics involved. Um, but it, 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 I'm hard-pressed to find, like, a reason for it to exist past, like, research. Which not, and, and I think, like, I think also just, like, a diplomatic effort of like everybody play nice like right we've got our, right got some guys up there right right wouldn't it be terrible you right know? it's right. not just um, like john wayne going up there and being like oh the ruski next door like trying to like <laughs> try to steal his shit or something yeah but, um yeah also yeah. apologies to the listeners i am a little sniffly i think because i got a covid booster shot today so 
you here. All right, way to virtue signal that you got your booster. <laughs> right, so everyone should get their booster. <laughs> um, no, listen, the boosters we're concerned with today are... Get the fuck out of here. Speaking of boosters. Okay, okay. No, no, please carry on. I no. have a lot more interesting things yeah, to say. Yeah, so understand. it's interesting, you know, as I'm talking about, like, how important science is and stuff like that. There, There is, like, this really kind of – the ISS is, is kind of this, like, important geopolitical crucible in a way. And, uh, again, I'd like to reiterate I'm not, like, a geopolitical correspondent, but I am uh, abreast. But to we certainly are. We, yeah, y'all <laughs> certainly are. So maybe you could fact check me. So uh, – uh, for example, there was a little, there was some, there was some groveling going on uh, in the, on the ISS this summer, where basically uh, the European Space Agency, which is called ESA, was partnering with Russia to do this mission to the Moon and subsequently a mission to Mars. As we all know, Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, ESA pulls out of the mission, and then Russia is threatening to pull out of the ISS prematurely. And there's also this like Russian robotic arm, or it's, it's a European robotic arm that exists on a Russian module on the ISS. The director of the Russian space agency was like, I don't want any Russians working on it. It was a whole big thing. It was There was some really funny, funny Twitter beef with the Russian, uh, the Russian director of their space agency and the ESA space agency is fun. But yeah, so I mean, as much as the science happens, there's also like clearly tensions between nations to some extent. Yeah. So, and apologies if you already said this before, but just yeah. to make it not very elite, it's so the ISS as we know it today is like coming to a close. Yeah. Right. That's right. the, um, I guess, you know, not to ask a dumb question, but like, how does that, come about why why is it coming to a close like after yeah. how many dozen you know two decades yeah, um decades. yeah like what's it seems important like yeah yeah i think the the big thing's money and so we're gonna talk about money a little bit um but to kind of flesh out what we're meaning by like it's coming to a close so nasa has scheduled the iss to be decommissioned in 2030 and their big plan is literally to crash it into the ocean. So speaking of boosters, as we, yeah, it's really amazing. Speaking of boosters, as we were talking about earlier, when in doubt, uh, crash your life into the ocean. Um, so basically NASA's big plan is to, uh, in January 2031, they want to uh, start basically slowing down the orbit of the ISS to a point where it starts intersecting with Earth's atmosphere. So backstory iss is able to like constantly rotate uh orbit earth because there's no atmosphere there's no particles in its way and so once it starts hitting the atmosphere it's going to start like hitting friction yeah there's yeah. going to be more friction wait so again because you know no, dummy ahead. here not science you're not so, a dummy like, the, uh, the concept of like there's not like it's not like there's fuel like there's nothing fueling the iss right it's, it's literally just like suspended up there in in orbit there is been... well, it probably has energy right like yeah, like solar energy it's moving it collects solar energy it's moving but there's also like there is there's fuel in it because it does need to like dodge debris like space garbage and so there is there's fuel but it's not it's not this constant stream of of booster that's powering it it is it's in a secure enough orbit where it is kind of coasting through That's staying in orbit is because like basically yeah, yeah. I honestly I, I should have talked about space garbage. <laughs> it is, it is a big there's a lot of interesting 
news that's been coming out about like space debris and stuff like that. But no, this is good. I'm happy because I was like, how the fuck am I going to talk about the ISS for an hour? But uh, no, anyway, so yeah. It's, uh, sh- <laughs> I, I'm looking at my publicist in the corner of the room. No. And she's nodding. Okay. We're going to do three hours. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so 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 I, the reason I brought the ISS is just the idea of crashing, like one of the hugest, one of NASA's biggest investments in into the Pacific Ocean is just so hilariously cartoonish and and just like insane to me that I had to bring it up. So in January 2031, basically the ISS is going to start slowing down, and then NASA is aiming for this point in the Pacific Ocean called Point Nemo which is uh, the, called the spacecraft graveyard because it's the point in the Pacific Ocean that is the farthest from any land. So hopefully it shouldn't land on some small island nation. And it's yeah. like there's there's from what I was reading from the stuff you sent us, there's quite yeah. a lot of stuff there, actually. Like there's even like a Russian like space station or something yeah. that's there and like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, that's like the place to land. And it's like sixteen hundred miles away. From all of the all of the coolest space stations are yeah. landing there. I mean, it's, it's like yo. Have you been to Point Nemo? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got turned away actually. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to what you're talking. About, I mean, it's I'm total confidence in these fellows. But to sure. what you're talking about at this top of the show with like the dart thing, it's like, uh, you know, if you do happen to get that wrong, it's like. If you hit land with something yeah. like that, that's like, you know, like a nuclear bomb, basically, yeah. right? It's, uh, but I don't know. It's interesting. I think, so that's being decommissioned, but like, isn't there also something else that's like taking its place? You were saying this again. I'm like so a, glad a new, you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Kevin has volunteered to go up there himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm, actually, be... I'm so excited to announce on the future's out. I am the new ISS. <laughs> Uh, thank you i would love to do what to go up to the iss if someone gave you a note like just like the option to go up would you do it? oh for sure if if they were like what about to mars uh as it stands now absolutely not because there's there's nothing there i'm not trying to like pull a mark watney and get stranded on mars for like a year (laughs) but uh um no, I would go out. I mean, I feel like what's what's really interesting, what really appeals to me about science is like connecting science to like the general public, and that's why I like general uh, that's why I like journalism so much. And so, I don't know if Joe Biden called me up and was like, "Hey, uh, you, uh, we want you in the ISS to like do some telecasts or I don't know, interview some scientists." I'd be like, "All right, fuck it, let's do it." Because um, I, I, it's weird because the ISS feels so. It just I don't know NASA like research feels so. Uh, like what the fuck are they doing? You know what I mean. So like in a way of like what like what what's the point of this? And so okay, I think well, it's important to communicate. That's that. appropriate because I, I'm curious about this. So, and like to jump ahead maybe somewhat. So the yeah. ISS is coming down, right? In large part because it's old, right? And it's too expensive to maintain, right? Um, and uh, you know, so now it's 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 got to go. There are there's something new in in the works, yeah. presumably. Yeah. Um, and the notion is that valuable scientific research can be done in zero and or microgravity, um, thereby providing an economic, uh, rationale for, for the project. Um, so like my questions to you is twofold. 
what what type of science is going on up there should i be afraid of it that's one b one a and then two um like when when in what is going up and also like this is something i want to get into maybe a little after but like I, it's it's it strikes me that this is going from like a publicly funded right. sort of state run project to like a private enterprise of yeah. into just like a companies yeah yeah well, who are doing office office park in space <laughs> um so yeah lots of lots of maybe go on maybe too much what, yeah I'm, no what do, you, what do you think I, well i'll talk about the science for a second i i can't speak too much to the science because i actually really don't know uh it's not like a secret. I don't think it's a secret. I think a lot of the research that they're doing involves like uh, just like effects on humans. Like obviously like we evolved to live on earth because, and the reason we look like the way that we do is because earth has gravity, earth has seasons, earth has water. And so I think a lot of the time they send astronauts up, they're also just experimenting on like, what do they, what it's like when you put a hamster in a microwave when you're three years old and (laughs) kind of you have to go to a therapist right right uh these these uh these uh iss scientists are just like uh chilling and then they have to go to a therapist um i believe there's also like some (laughs) some like botany work up there just to kind of see like what what plants look like growing in zero g and stuff like that but that is the extent of my knowledge unfortunately but uh what was the second question you were like yeah yeah, so I guess what let me pivot to like what that actually like what the privatization is. So NASA realized uh they could basically uh live the dream of every millennial and just rent out space instead of actually like paying to build a house in space. They could just rent out some apartments in space. That was a lot cheaper in the long run to them. And so what they've done is they've gone ahead and they've extended contracts to basically three uh, three uh, private space companies. So the Blue Origins, shout out Jeff Bezos, friend of the pod. Uh, he, uh, he, Blue Origins got $130 million to build what's called Orbital Reef, and that is just a, a space station, a smaller space station. Um, there is an unnamed project from a space company called Northrop Grumman. They got $125.6 million. There you go. There you go. And weapons company. <laughs> see, do you see the, di- the difference in the knowledge base? I'm like, oh yeah, there's just some space company and Max like, they're actually a, a, a domestic terror organization. <laughs> from here, military industrial yeah. complex. <laughs> I can't get over that. that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, 160 million went to uh, Voyager Space, NanoRacks, and Lockheed Martin, who have uh, developed this what's called the Star Lab. Right, kind of interesting. Yeah, right? yeah. I kind of feel like SpaceX has a kind of their grip on providing rockets to NASA. I don't, okay. I don't know that they're particularly interested in building a space station. I could be wrong. But NASA, uh, SpaceX is contracted to build a lot of their rockets for launches and stuff. So, Well, let me ask you this, like not to interject too yeah, soon, but I'm curious because it's like, I think to what you were getting at, Jonah, is that there is a moment now, whether you're like renting it out to these private companies or whether it's just more financially doable to like privatize space. Like we see it with SpaceX, we see it with Amazon, a bunch right. of places. 
but is there something that happens when like with the ISS or with like government sponsored projects in the name of science, like it's like somewhat arguably more objective, right? When like you're doing it on the basis of like, these are tax payers monies that is going towards like, uh, you know, something that's more long-term versus like if you're based off of like these private companies doing it, maybe you're more answerable to like your quarterly earnings. Maybe you're more answerable to like immediate results. Maybe you're more answerable to like uh, dividends. Like, is there something that changes there? And like, have you noticed that? Or does like, is that something that like is concerning at all about like what that means for big S science, you know, like, I think that's a really interesting question. I think it's hard to tell right now. Cause I don't, I, I can't really think of a, an analog for like science that has been leased out to like a private, I'm sure yes. that there are, Okay, there you go. I, I mean, that's like, that's like sure. Like, that's sure. Yeah. It's like the amount of like redundant drugs and the amount of redundant like healthcare costs are like, I think you can make a good argument that it's tied to like the, the, you know, the privatization of it. I don't know. That's more your wheelhouse, honestly, than me. <laughs> but like, I but, I, but um, yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like that's a new territory for something that's so expensive yeah. in, as or so expansive as something like space. Yeah. Right? Well, I think what's what's kind of interesting is the configuration of there being three groups of companies as opposed to just one company. Like, if it was just Blue Origins developing the next space station, and NASA was like, "Can I pretty please have some space on your on your space station, please, Mister Bezos?" I'd be really like, "Okay, this might not be the best thing." But I think, and again, it's just too early to tell like how NASA is going to divvy up astronauts if they are going to divvy up astronauts, what that's going to look like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I it's. It's hard, and I know NASA is 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 mildly concerned about what the next phase of space stations are going to look like. There was a memo that was released by the Department of Defense office office of the Inspector General that was like specifically used the word precarious to def, to, to to describe the next basically like eight years of of decommissioning the ISS and then bringing in. I think the big concern right now is like there is a very slim margin to get these space stations built and launched. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think it's going to happen by 2030. Well, with So assuming it does happen, yeah. right, and all that works, is the international element of it still there, though? I guess, like, not to linger so much oh, on, like, question. the private question of it, yeah, though. Yeah. That's what the question is, like, was is the ISS in the moment it was in, like, an exception that proves the norm, or is it something that can continue? Because, like, I imagine if you're just, like, these three American companies, two of which are directly tied to, like, the U.S. military, right. like, is that as conducive to having like this international cooperation with, with, you know, different scientists, yeah. you know, like, well, uh, do you, like, uh, does it seem like it's going to be international affair or does it seem like there's going to be like, you know, a bunch of countries that each have their own space station up there think, or something else? So it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because one, you know, with the, with the death of the ISS, uh, China is in the process of launching modules to build their version of an ISS basically, but it's just going to be China owned. It's not going to be an international collaboration and Russia is simultaneously, they haven't launched or I don't think they've even built anything, but they have released like the schematics of what it's going to look like. And so the international space station, the death of the international space station is sort of like the kind of (laughs) to be like, you know, macabre, like the death of honestly, like, 
collaboration in yeah, a way like, like a sort of international common project right that, so maybe like, space force is a good idea it then. might be like, yeah you know, I mean, who knows in 15 I mean, years we could be watching this episode back and be like fuck space force kind of hits the theme song kind of hits <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I, yeah yeah go ahead i mean no i mean i guess yeah maybe well yeah whatever space force it's like is it's just like obviously to me at least just like a, a make work program for the military to like justify more money it's like it's not like the united states was just like not gonna have a presence in outer space and so far as the military is concerned it's just like without the creation of a u.s government much in the same way that like before the air force was 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 created in after world war ii it's like it's not like we weren't flying planes. The army was just right. doing it. Yeah. yeah, the army and the fucking navy were doing it. Um, regardless, it's some. So there's a big money thing involved. But, um, yeah, it is. It is. I think. I think that's quite right. Like, I think it is troubling very much, and like indicative of like, and like you know when the future textbooks are written, I think it'll be like a a, a sub chapter of like the ISS being just like everybody sort of slowly shuffling out and then bringing it down to crash into the ocean will be very much indicative and and like evocative of a, of a sort of retrenchment of, of, of various, these various poles in the world, um, be they Russia, China, the United States, you know, uh, sort of everyone getting back in their foxholes and like, uh, and, and, you know, whatever conflict is, is, is to come, um, being presaged by this to a certain extent. Um, we're not in like the nineties, the crunchy night, which is when the ISS was originally launched when like, you know, that's the end of history. Everyone's like on the same page. We're doing, liberal capitalism it's going great um you know yeah the, the situation has changed dramatically since then do, do you agree with that take though because i because i like i i do for what it's worth but it it seems like the little that i've covered this it seems like nasa for example like are some of the most accepting of like having like whether it's like tesla working on their rockets or whether it's having like blue origin work on the space station they're the most accepting of it of anyone because it's like the funds literally aren't there yeah. like the way that they were before right yeah, where it's like where it's like the 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 for whatever reasons there's a lot of complicated reasons like our approach as like citizens of the United States is like way less communal than it has ever been yeah. right in terms yeah. of like what we agree to spend money on right. or if we spend money on at all and it's like without this it's like there's really nothing like nasa is like again with that alleg the analogy of like the you know the the old man that's like in his post-divorce uh second you know midlife crisis it's like there's not really much like shit's expensive i know man. inflation be be real <laughs> like, be no, real, but it's yeah. like it can't, the, nasa can't do anything by themselves meanwhile yeah. you have like you know, I'm gonna use the SpaceX. I know it's not the same with the with the space station, but like with right. the rockets, SpaceX. Right. Meanwhile, is literally worth like hundreds of billions of dollars, yeah. um, for no good reason other than the stock market. Right. And like, but that still is money you get to spend, yeah. right? So it's sure. like, how do you think about that in terms of like my? I guess I'm commenting. But my question is, is like in terms of like the science and like what's good for it, does it matter really fundamentally like who is doing it? Or is it more about like the fact that it gets done because um, otherwise it wouldn't? I don't know. Does that make sense? I mean, I think it like this is such an interesting question. Like, 
ethically, does it matter? No, because I think a lot of hard scientists believe in an objective reality that every scientist across the planet is doing their part to understand and unpack and, 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 you know, look at, but we have to understand like as much as, as much as I, you know, as much as we don't want to believe science is political, science is political, everything's political even like science that you feel like doesn't matter, it could still be funded by a political, you know, department or organization or something like that. And so your your question was like, uh, was um, should we? Doesn't matter who's doing it. Who's funding? I think what's I think what's going to be concerning is like on the ISS. I feel like every nation can kind of keep tabs on each other. Like Russia was up there doing what Russia was doing, but NASA knew what Russia was doing. Right. So. The question is going to be like, okay, if Russia builds this space station, if China builds this space station, what are they working on? You know, like well, I think there's also the question. Are they putting a giant laser? In yeah, there? yeah. Well, I mean, you joke, but honestly, though, there is the question of like, if you have to be side by side with people, it's like there is like less of a threat of yeah. like a dual use. Not right. to overuse a Cold War term, but a dual use technology, where it's like if now if everyone has their own space station, then like presumably, like you know, the DOD or the DOD equivalent in China is, has some input on, like, what is being done up there, right? right. Yeah. In a way that it seems like maybe it wasn't in when, like, you had mm. to be, like, living side by side with, like... Maybe that's naive, but, like, it seems like oh, it's more explicitly, right. like, you know... I think politics were always taking place and, like... Well, yeah, not to say that politics weren't I thing, think, like, but, you had, like, the ISS represented international cooperation but it also represented like western hegemony and yeah exactly united states right. hegemony like exactly that right. carried over from the cold war and like you know the united states in in a sort of astonishingly clear-cut way like won the cold war vis-a-vis -vis the the collapse of the soviet union so i think like you can understand that sort of peace you know it's like pax americana situation it's like it was there was cooperation but it was very much on really american terms and now, you know, much has been made of this notion of like a more multipolar world, right. which obviously implies more conflict, be it like hot or otherwise. Um, and like we're seeing, I guess, maybe some of that, maybe that in Ukraine and you, the war in Ukraine is an exponent of that. But I mean, yeah, for me, I mean, I think it is it's ominous, like the way that. Yeah, again, the retrenchment thing, but also like the lack of a. I don't know. I guess this the seeding of these like bigger, higher order questions and priorities of like what's out there yeah. used to be like the the state of the government of like the public. Like this was like a, a public good in the same way that like providing like water and um, you know uh, defense and, and and basic public provisions that a government would do was like this was one of them. It was just like furthering the species knowledge and 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 striking out in like a sort of uh in an adventurous an adventure an adventuring spirit right now it's like it's strictly like the the role of the public sphere is strictly to like compete against our national like various uh, competitors in like this like kind of crude geopolitical way and then like all of all of that high order like kind of like philosophical head scratching shit is just like fucking the province of, of billionaires and, and companies, which yeah. is like who aren't in the public interest. They're they're They have their own interests right. and they're, and it's primarily self-advancement. Like that's what, that's what those, that's what a company is. Like 
it's not it's not like even their fault in a way it's just like that's what that is You're right. like that's what that exists to do yeah and not to like you just put another nugget in your in your brain of thinking about it is like i think of like especially in terms of you know the science question of it right it's like a, it's a similar like it's not a one for one but there's a similar sort of thing with like watching the whole like ebb and flow of like the response like the covid vaccines and like all like the talk about like the response to that is like it does seem in like who knows because we weren't there but like it does seem like something is happening now that wasn't happening there in terms of like how the general public and like just people in general like think about presentations of stuff and like does is this is this a byproduct of that right like is the fact that like we're is the fact that like it's because we're making this like more privatized and more like consumerist, is it feeding this more sense of cynicism about like what everything means? Yeah. Right. And does that matter? I guess asking me? I'm asking you and like, uh, you know, in combination to what you were just saying is like, yeah. how does that all fill into this broader like landscape of like what it means to be like a, you know, a, you know, a scientific scientist, space-faring person in like the yeah. 20s first yeah no stress i'm sure you can answer this first yeah, yeah obviously you have a one sentence answer and yeah, it's just you know, I, don't who know. Knows. I, mean, I think you know we're asking the big questions you are the asking the big so. questions i mean you have to look at like look at like hard the, hitting <laughs> this is the hard-hitting investigative journalism that the future is out is known for <laughs> no i think i don't know i mean as much as I like love science, like you just have to accept the fact that like science, at least in America, is always gonna get like shafted. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson broke it down really well in a book. I don't really fuck with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but this metaphor was I'm right. Good. Everyone was like, "But he's a scientist." And it's like, well, no, yeah. <laughs> I, at the risk of being canceled, I kind of like Neil deGrasse. And that's fine. But, I, I, I mean, find him incre- incredibly grating and annoying. As a but scientist, I find him incredibly condescending. I like, yeah. yeah. I, Is right, is right twice a day. day. I like his enthusiasm. I, I I like that. I like that we have like a Bill Nye, another Bill yeah, Nye. But uh, well, Bill Nye's a whole other. Well, thing, well you know what I mean. <laughs> I could just saying don't 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 say Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson. In the same no, you're sense. right. You're That's right. Disrespect. Yeah, like Bill Nye. He was he was the he first was the science the guy. geeky epic science guy so yeah. he does have to lay in that bed. Isn't he anyway. now like a Hillary Clinton stan or whatever? Oh, like I whatever. forget his whole like thing. They all they all end up in the great. At least at least souls. Neil deGrasse Tyson does something that's allegedly illegal. Like you know. Let's go ahead and cauterize that little. Vein so anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, but Neil deGrasse Tyson, he had like this. He basically broke down. He was basically making the case for NASA in one of his books, and he said NASA gets half for every taxpayer dollar. NASA gets half of one penny, which is not a lot of money. It is a lot. It's a lot when you think of like that American attitude towards like science. Very and stuff. good. I'm very happy about that. But like, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised it's that much, but <laughs> yeah. even so, yeah, it's not, but then I think, do you know how much the, do you know how much the air, like the armed forces gets? Isn't it like 20%? It's like some crazy it, chunk. I think it is like a solid 20%. Yeah. Percent of what? Of the of entire like a taxpayer US dollar. budget. Yeah. The budget, which is a lot of money compared to the half of 1%. Of those, like, 
less than that. Right. But it is, but it is a lot. But yeah. it's like it's like use that and like look at where the priorities are. So right. like I don't. What was, I'm sorry. What was the original? <laughs> what was your it, question? We asked a lot of things. But basically, it's just like the the philosophy of like uh, it was a lot of questions in one. But the philosophy of like how, uh, you know, in a culture, especially in the United States, where like science is like so politicized. Right. 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 Like right, right. how uh, does this make an impact when like. Uh, it becomes explicitly commercialized. Yeah, well, I I feel like I can talk about that in a second. But what I do want to also just point out that I forgot to mention. So the three the three stations that are being built is the Orbital Reef and Blue Origins, the project from Northrop Northrop Grumman, and then the Star Lab, which is from Voyager Space, Nanoracks, and Lockheed Martin. Uh, the the reason Star Lab, uh, you might have heard of is because star lab just partnered with hilton the hotel chain and hilton is going to design the crew quarters for the star lab (laughs) space station yeah right 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 but i just thought that was so funny yeah they've actually i actually yeah they're actually they've partnered with la quinta (laughs) (laughs) super eight motel yeah Yeah. uh but yeah that that came out i think last week that that Perfect. Um, I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think what, you know, we're talking about like the ISS is being decommissioned and NASA is like losing its foothold in space and people are getting, you know, space is getting privatized. What's important to mention though is even though ISS is dying, NASA is still uh, obviously um, investing in space projects. And now that the ISS is sort of off the table, their next big project is what's called the Gateway, oh, which God. is that sounds like a crypto thing or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know what's funny is like I reported on the Gateway like relatively early into my time at Gizmodo, and the only thing I could think of was like, "Holy fuck, this feels like literally a science fiction movie come to life." Right. So, at its core, what the Gateway is, we we have NASA and America have not been to the moon since the Apollo missions, which is insane if you think it about is that. Insane. Like that's, I mean, it's, they're obviously they're fake, so it doesn't yeah. matter. But it's like, yeah, yeah right. It's like, right. Well, <laughs> well, notice, guess what happened in between those now and the those missions? The death of Stanley Kubrick. Oh. Um, so, but now we do have a mature era James Cameron. So right, I think we we're, we're equal to the mission again. <laughs> we do, we do, we do. And uh, D- uh, Denis Villeneuve, who could... And, who could and Denis Villeneuve would be yeah. a great choice. Okay, that's actually... Will you please continue saying, like, your act... <laughs> While you think of... You think of a Denis Villeneuve filmed moon landing? <laughs> no, no, no. Please continue providing Dude was... actual information. And then I want to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, um, so, but yeah, what is next for NASA? So you know? ga- it's called Gateway, and so so NASA hasn't been we haven't been to the moon since 1972, which is a long That's time so ago. Crazy. I actually went in 98, but it's a great great year for that. Uh, but the those missions were interesting because they were basically like uh, pit stops almost. Like we sent some astronauts. Uh, we actually sent three astronauts at a time to the moon. A lot of people don't know this because you yeah, only you see the. About no, well, so you, well, we you, remember two. You right? see the like, two. Yeah. <laughs> the third astronaut was literally just orbiting the moon in a la- in a in a well, orbiter because they had to communicate with the orbiter in order to communicate with Earth, which is interesting. Yeah, so he's always that that astronaut's always forgotten about <laughs> in favor of the two that are on the moon. We're talking about um, uh, Buzz Armstrong. You got Neil it. Neil, awesome. Yeah, who's the third one? You don't know because. 
No, but because <laughs> <laughs> that egghead okay. was like on the radio the whole time. Like, you bro, you gotta good? speak you guys up, good? man. If yep, they ask yep. you who wants to go on the small moon, step you gotta... for, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, so so that was like the configuration of these Apollo missions. NASA is basically like, hey guys, what if we went to the moon and we stayed there for a little longer? It, yeah, right. No, I know. Just no, but everyone's gonna think I'm stupid unless no. I correct myself. <laughs> Nobody thinks okay. you're stupid. Okay, thank you. So NASA's like, what if we stay? What if we went and we stayed? So like a lunar Not quite a lunar colony, but basically the gateway is a space station that NASA has approved and is in the process of building that is going to perpetually orbit the moon, much the way that the ISS was perpetually orbiting Earth, right? And so the gateway is called the gateway because NASA wants to use it um, to basically be sort of like a like a like a fuel post and a trading post for any uh, missions to the moon and any future missions to Mars. Exactly, it, like a yeah. like a convenience store of sorts on your road trip, um, which is really kind of like interesting because NASA would not be investing in that unless they were very serious about putting people on Mars, and they are put they are serious, like like long not not like, like colonizing them on Mars, like landing humans on Mars. I'm which saying like we'll be right back and then not right, coming back. Exactly. What, what do you, what about? I am very excited. I always joke about how, like, I feel like when I start watching the video feed of humans landing on Mars, I might start crying because, like, I think I I just I just get so frustrated because you hear like Elon Musk is like, I want to build a one million colony person colony. On Mars. <laughs> no, that's a quote from Elon Musk. <laughs> That's what I hear when I hear. But you hear like Elon Musk is like, I want to be the first to Mars. I want to put a million people on there. But da da da. Like I, I just, I just think there's something to be said about just the way it was when we landed humans on the moon yeah. for the first time. Of just like the wonder of like an astronaut like stepping out onto like the like iron soil of Mars and just being like whatever. But like, don't you realize? Now. Don't you or not? not I don't, don't you, realize much. No, I don't neither do I. But I, I didn't mean to even say realize. Do you think that like the nineteen sixty nine moon landing? Like, do you think we could, are ever capable of achieving anything that will have that type of like society wide like? sort of like moving proportion like i honestly like i'm imagining if like tomorrow they're like we put a guy on mars like 50 plus percent of the people you asked on the street would be like what what no i agree with you like what honestly like, what do you seeing, what is mars no, seeing them, <laughs> they'd be like no he was racist <laughs> like if i can <laughs> i mean not even yeah that. he's canceled I mean, a, they'd not think it happened if they knew that it happened they'd think it was fake or they would yeah. just I think most people would just be like, I don't know what that is. Half the people care. would be trying to cancel him. Half the people would not give a shit. But maybe like, maybe like, like how many, stupid. probably like 75% of the people didn't even give a shit. When That's possible. Well, I, when I, but I also, I mean, I just feel like maybe that I, I don't know if, you know, I feel like maybe that's like a large percentage of people that didn't care, but like, look at like, just the way. I agree with you. Now, 
I think it would be a small fraction of people who would care yeah or even know well the response to the dart mission was very illuminating because i would like talk to people and i'd be like we just crashed on an asteroid and people would be like what are you talking about about?" yeah (laughs) and so i don't know i mean i i hope that it there is like fanfare and there is like a lot of excitement but like you said like a third of people are probably gonna like not give a shit a third of people are probably gonna be like this is a waste of my taxpayer money and then a third are probably gonna be like genuinely excited related to that and like so what do you make then this is kind of similar but different what do you make of the whole trend of like commercializing you know like the potential that you get to go up to space even if it's just like right now it's like you pay ten thousand dollars to go on low earth orbit like on the branson virgin galactic yeah (laughs) yeah well whatever it is like the insane amount (laughs) and uh but like i guess the argument people would make is that like that makes it more exciting for people and it makes it like more of a thing that's like uh to be accomplished like what's your interpretation of all that like i've heard a lot of people for what it's worth say one that like on a pure just like cold-hearted business side it's like the stupidest thing ever to do because it's like no one can really afford to do that anyway and it's not that fun because like you basically are just like a little bit above the stratosphere yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but i'm curious like what you think because it seems like that's there is at least some push to do that right to commercialize space travel yeah right um what do i think of that i think uh, I think that commercialization of space travel is inevitable, much the same way a lot of the commercialization of like public transit was inevitable. Do you think it will work? Do you think Do you think rich people are going to actually spend their money to do that? Uh, oh, that's such a good well, question. I, I would say that rich people absolutely would. Right. Yeah. No, but no, but no, like, but in, saying you saying you, you were one buy, of the first people to land on Mars versus saying you own a yacht, I feel like are very what like, I think. Different. What I think is not yes, precisely. It's an yeah. ego thing, and what I think is not is a little understated is like the degree to which it's like absurdly irresponsible and like criminal to do like like the amount of carbon produced, like not to be a fucking awoke scold about outer space, but like just like dicking around in, in low earth stratosphere is like produces an astronomical amount of like greenhouse gas. It's just like more wasteful than you might ever hope to be, you know, a thousand Taylor Swift's private jets. It's like, so it is just like genuinely like it, it is an antisocial behavior to just like dick or like zip up and down to outer space. So I, I granted, does that mean it won't happen? Not at all. Um, but I don't know. I, guess, I, well, I, I, I guess the, the question like to go on that though is like, and I think we all have the same answer, but it's funny for the viewer, I guess is like when, <laughs> when fucking, uh, what's his name? William Shatner, like in his old, like old decrepit self, uh, did his like two seconds of like being in in space and he's like oh my god I'm in space and it was like live streamed it's like does that do anything for like us as like people to give a fuck about like space the way that like you know in a microcosm the way that like having the the video of like people going up to the moon did something you know what I mean yeah. like these are all clearly PR stunts but like yeah. that was also a PR stunt it was right. I mean it was propaganda is right. what it was right it was the moon landing Sorry, I've been talking outside of the mic. 
uh, it was propaganda. It was the moon landing. But like the question is like these other attempts at like more clearly like celebrity driven, uh, you know, space maneuvers by like these private companies. Is that does that work in terms of like getting people to actually give a shit about? Like uh, the bigger question is like how do we how do we care about like science now? You know, in the way that we used to. Yeah, will you just uh, sum that up for us? I guess, yeah. I, I think I want to. I'll talk about what you what you asked about, like you know, about like more like private space, like public right. space stones. Yeah, right. I think maybe we can kind of like elucidate a little bit on like look at how like look at how people treat like Teslas. Like you have like a core rabid fan base, and then you just have people that own Teslas. You know what I mean? So I think like you look at like you know Jeff Bezos was like the first you know whatever private space flight human space flight or whatever but like did anyone really give a shit i felt like a lot of people were really critical of him like i think there was a group of people who were like oh my god jeff bezos was in space and then a lot of people like who actually gives a fuck you know what i mean right 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 yeah so i mean i don't know i i yeah, oh my literally god. Literally riding a giant dick. Penis yeah. with a like shaft an awesome and a gland. Yeah. yeah, it's like insane. I think that we discount uh, collective ability to snuff out authenticity. Right. And so fair. I think that a lot of, like, I think as a society, I think we're really good at being like, this is stupid, this is bullshit. And then when we're informed, I think we can be like, oh shit, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, bless you. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's 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 really it really feels like terra incognita. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. Let me let me ask. I'm getting the uh, you know the curtains called on me right sure. here. But let me do one more. Sure, yeah. I have a big, you know, big picture question I wanted to ask because I think it's relevant because we it's come up several times on the podcast. And it's a little bit divergent from what we've talked about here, but uh, it seems like correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. Like sure. you are a proponent of like big ass science in the terms of like you're a nerd and like in a good way and like you believe in like the coolness and the goodness of science like is that fair like you do believe in the prospect and the idea of it right so i think that like that's a thing right now that is i would say is like a very fraught idea right because like science has like lost it's like if there ever was an era of objectivity, it's like, it's very explicitly right now, something that's used as either like to be shat on as like a, as like a political thing or uh, to be leaned on as a crutch for people who are like making overtly political statements. You know, I think COVID's the obvious example for this, but there's many, 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 many different things that do it. How do you think about that one in terms of like, as a journalist, like, trying to like present information to the world but two is just like a nerd who like actually likes this stuff like how do you think about that think about uh just the like i guess you're asking me just like think about like the response that people are have to science these days yeah and and is it is it does it still have the has it changed like is it does it still have the same magic or is it it kind of makes me sad I think that there's a lot standing in the way of the average, 
we'll, we'll talk to the U.S. Like, I think there's a lot standing in the way from for the average U.S. citizen to kind of understand science. Like, the average U.S. citizen cannot pick up a paper and understand what's going on for a lot of reasons. Like, they're paywalled. The math is hard to understand, you know, stuff like that. And so, I don't know. I think science really needs to work on its like communication and that's why i think a lot of journalists and a lot of teachers and a lot of pr people are really important because i think like i don't know i just feel like these days like everyone wants a reason for something to exist and like it being cool is not enough of a reason you know like there's like crazy storms on jupiter like that's fucking sick that's like a good that point, just man. exists yeah like that's cool yeah that's but it just point. feels like everyone has like everyone's either looking for an agenda or has an agenda and it's hard for science which is just this like studying of this natural world to exist without people projecting a meaning onto it you know what i mean and there i could go on but i won't but it's hard yeah yeah cool yeah right and like it's it's crazy that i think that like how we brought this whole thing up was that like it's it's become much more a product of like you know maybe who knows what you think but our our over like overactive minds of like yeah political politicalized things um which they are all political but i think there is something to be said about just like finding something cool and yeah. like wanting to do it because it's cool. Right. I think artists do that well. I think that like uh, musicians do that well, but like it's becoming harder for like scientists yeah. to do that. I don't know. For sure. I think that's really, you, honestly, I never would have drawn the parallel between science and art like that, but I think that's really, it's a very astute, I think. Oh, yeah. Science, art, art, science. <laughs> I think, you know, really is a can all be laid to that you know and that's something that uh i thought really pretty long and hard about and uh it's really important that i said it um (laughs) in this venue um leaving behind uh some of the larger epistemological questions that uh you know we can't hope to crack in in such a format um i think we've we've covered some pretty remarkable i don't even want to say ground i want to say light years <laughs> of, sp- of space time we have um you're committed by the way to having like a very pun filled uh title to us to what in general or yeah, like to this, to this episode to this episode yeah oh yeah i know i'm gonna have to really bust out some of my i'm gonna go down into my pun cellar Bust out some late vintages, wow! Blow the dust off and and, wow. and really crack them open because uh, it's a good episode, you know, it and it's and a historic episode. one. Um, at that rate, so Kev, Kevin, does anyone ever say Kev? I prefer Kev Fuck really? yeah! yeah do you actually? I really do. Okay, word. Yeah. Kev, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I know it was no small small feat to physically be here in physical physical outer space, inner space, if you will. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah. As I say, Kev, thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for doing it. And also, uh, where can people like catch you? What's like, where can people read your stuff? Like, what do you want your socials? All that. Like, let people know. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, both are at not Kevin Hurler. Uh, 
Hurler. That's Kevin Hurler with a not an OT in front of it. Okay. Uh, and they can also, they want to just see a little bit about like just a distilled version of my career, I guess. You can go to kevinhurler.com, hosted by Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Um, yeah, and if you catch me uh, on the streets of uh, North Jersey, uh, please do say hi. Use code uh, FUTURE25 for 25% off your first month of Squarespace. Anyone who's interested, go on gizmodo.com and read Kevin's stuff because he literally is like one of the foundational pillars keeping that poor site alive that we happen to work for. And he's, you know, my favorite employees to work with. So, dude, you you fucking rock, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Seriously. Seriously. Word. That was cool. All right. Well, we'll have you back on. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Fun? Dude, that was crazy that was fun. That was good, man. Good. Damn. Yeah, I was dude, like, sorry if that went on. For, uh, no, honestly.